Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on calling out adult children, phone call faux pas, dining out with toddlers, engagement gifts for old friends, and tipping for non-taxi car services. Plus, your most excellent feedback etiquette salute and a postscript segment inspired by our assistant producer, Bridget, on week one of a new job. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, your extra question of the week is about Airbnb for family and friends. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Last things first and first things last. Exactly. You canceled your trip to New Orleans. I did. My heart is breaking more than you and Pooja's, I think. I think it is. I literally just (laughs) yesterday said, oh, Dan, will you bring me back something from New Orleans? And in classic Dan function, I was such a pill. You you hate doing favors like that. I was like, I don't know. What do you want? That's the thing. Dan's like going, well, I don't know. Like, what? Do you want me to bring back like one of the Saints players? Probably not going to happen during during, uh, play off season, Lizzie, but, you know... What are you asking of me I was here? thinking of things like you could bring me some chicory coffee or, like, you know, like the easy things. Oh, like, I remember that coffee yes, you brought me. You, it's good. You're, you would have loved it if you were going this weekend, but you're not, so... <laughs> Anisha's cold has held on, yeah. and um, I was really surprised. It's Pooja, Anisha's mother, my lovely wife, who is the, the social driving force yes. in our life, yes. and... This trip was her brainchild, and I'm on board. I was looking forward to four days in the Who Big wouldn't? Easy. It's amazing. <laughs> Who that? But uh, uh, last night, or maybe the night before, the the idea sort of slipped into her mind. She's like, you know, this is going to be a lot with a sick toddler, and I think she was also thinking about the kids of her cousin who were visiting. Yep. And bringing this particularly nasty stomach bug into someone else's home. Yeah, just not a good idea. So. Much to my surprise, she said, well, maybe we'll think about doing this another time. And that thought definitely developed. So I'm sticking around. I'm I'm sad for you guys. It's playoff weekend. It's, you know, the Saints well, are the doing so side. well. Like the city's having so much fun right now. If anyone saw my post on Twitter, the lineup for Jazz Fest is insane. Although Bob Seger just dropped out. But um, it's just this. Is Jazz Fest this weekend? No, no, no. It's coming up. Yeah. It's just that the, the lineup got announced and it's just got you it's amazing. It. I've, I've been totally in NOLA Wonderland lately. So I was really excited for your trip. I'm really sorry you guys aren't going. But uh, who dat? Saints going to win over the Rams this weekend. I hope. I hope. I hope my team goes and I hope the other team plays really well and feels really proud of themselves. But I hope we win. I hope we win. Well, I hope <laughs> my friends at my favorite bar in the Garden District will enjoy their oysters. Yes. And (laughs) be celebrating a Saints victory. I hope so, too. But, you know, New England's not a bad place to be for playoff football this time of year either. (laughs) No, it's not. You patriots always doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see if either of us are still smiling next week. I was going to try to talk it up, but I couldn't. No, let's see if either of us are smiling next week. In the meantime, do you think we should get to some questions? We should do that. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Sustaining members, remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your message. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. 
There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. We start today's show with a question titled, Helpful or Hindering? The Big Debate. Hi, guys. So I'm sitting here with my mother right now discussing the popularity of podcasts today and mentioned awesome etiquette, knowing it would be a show she'd love. She got very excited and brought up a thing that's been bothering her. Her question is this. Would it be appropriate to tell her adult stepdaughter that her use of dining utensils is incorrect? In other words, she is a right-handed person using her fork in her right hand and her knife in the left. Aren't you supposed to use the fork with your left hand, being that in the place setting, it's on the left? She's in the food and beverage industry, so my mother hates to see her making this faux pas. Concerned mom. P.S. Love you guys. Thank you for all of your hard work and dedication. Thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for sharing the Awesome Etiquette podcast with someone that you know and love. We really appreciate that. You know that I'm totally bribing mom with hoping that mom will sign up for this for the stream and, and therefore add to our download numbers by putting a question for mom who is not ah. yet a listener in. Mom, if you are listening, this one's we for you. really, really want you to join our audience. <laughs> so one of the reasons I like your question is that it's a, a short question, but Frankly, this could be a long answer, and I'm going to try to organize my thoughts just a little bit. And my first thought is that there is a big etiquette question here about how you talk to someone else about their behavior. And the framing of is it okay to correct them, I like because it gives us a chance to talk a little bit about correcting being difficult. Unless you are (laughs) a parent who's in the process of teaching table manners to a child, it's hard to really sit there and say, no, 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 don't do it like that. That is wrong. You are wrong. You are not doing it correctly. And especially, thank you so much, Concerned Mom, for giving us the detail that this is an adult stepdaughter. We are out of that age that Dan is talking about where it's appropriate to really make these kind of corrections. Having said that, It is something that is important for friends, for close family, for people that know each other well and care about each other to talk about things like etiquette. And when you're talking about dining etiquette, you're talking about an area of etiquette where there are specific manners. There are specific behaviors that really are standards. They're standards that have been around and haven't changed much since Emily Post, Lizzie Post and I's great, great grandmother wrote her book about etiquette in 1922. And for right-handed people, holding your knife in your right hand and your fork in your left is a standard. It's a way that people have used those utensils for hundreds of years now. And it is something that other people, not just your mother, might notice. And 
I can feel your mother caring about that, caring about those other people noticing, being aware of the industry that her grown child stepdaughter is in yeah works in (laughs) and also being aware and this is the way that i would present it if i were to talk to that person being aware that they would probably care also that you don't do this because i say you should do this but when you have that conversation you have it or even when you bring it up you bring it up with an awareness that it really matters that the other person cares so you have to acknowledge that in terms of how you talk about it That's a lot to say all at once, but you can do it just with an approach and you can do it by not being critical. You can do it by not being demanding. You can do it by asking to have the conversation. There's something I noticed that I was curious to talk to you about. Could I bend your ear for a minute? Just that much of an ask for permission to go there can be enough to let someone prepare and open up that conversation so that you can talk some about table manners broadly why they're important, where you learn this particular manner, how you happen to notice it, whatever it is that lets you have that brief, casual, (laughs) light discussion in a way that doesn't feel critical or demanding. I think it's definitely possible for some people to be able to pull that off and for the recipient to be able to handle it. And I think a lot of people deal with scenarios where one of those two aspects is off just enough that it's not going to go well. And so there's a lot of fear in entertaining this. And yet... It kind of like snowballs, like the the more you don't deal with it, the more you're worried that you should be dealing with it kind of a thing. And you could go the route of just simply saying, you know what, this person's an adult and they are at this point going to figure things out for themselves. You could take a more passive approach of simply bringing, you know, you you guys both listen to a podcast on etiquette now. It's a great conversation starter for things you've learned. And you could reference one of the episodes where we do talk about left-handed diners. And that just allows you to talk about how right-handed folks use this formation. And you're not even directly criticizing her, but you are presenting the information so that you can feel assured that she's had access to it. She's a grown adult. She'll pick up on it or she won't. And the other thing I want to throw out there is that unless these people have seen her actually write, they don't know that she's not left-handed. And left-handed people use the configuration we're talking about all the time without anyone noticing. The only thing that might happen is that people do sometimes say, oh, you're left-handed. And then she would say, no, I'm not. I just happen to eat this way. And you know, sometimes you can own something different and that that can be something that doesn't drag you down. When it comes to table manners, they tend to be deal breakers for people. The deal breakers are more often about grossness than they are about actual handling. So it's one of the reasons why I don't sit here overly concerned, even given the industry that your adult stepdaughter is in. So you have options. And you make a really good point that you present it as information and then This is a grown person who gets to do with that what they will. So don't be too invested in outcomes or the person accepting what you say as right and important for them to adopt right away. There are some people in my life who sometimes you have a discussion and it takes a day or two or three before whatever it is that you've been discussing has had an opportunity to be processed and employed in a way that's really effective. So don't write off that discussion. Don't get too fixated on outcomes. when you go into it. But I I love that idea of approaching it as, I'm just going to share some information here and we'll see where it goes. Concerned Mom, we really hope this helps. Courtesy, consideration for others, common sense. That's what table manners are. You mean that's all there is to table manners, just what we've talked about? Oh, no. But you already know a great deal. And you can learn still more by watching Mother and Dad and other people who have good manners. Our next question is about phone call faux pas. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I am excited to be submitting my first question to you. I so enjoy the experience of listening to your podcast. It has really helped me to be reflective and think about the success and nuance of my own interactions. In particular, your discussions on the way people respond to thank you and the practice of apology got me thinking about other responses to common prompts that have always sat poorly with me, but have never given much thought to other than thinking maybe I'm just too sensitive. 
When ending a phone conversation and the person who is initiating the conclusion of the conversation says, all right, well, I will let you go, this has always really bothered me because you aren't letting me do anything. (laughs) You are ending the conversation and trying to disguise or soften that fact by making it seem as though you are doing me a favor. I would prefer that person just say, okay, I have to go now, or something that is more truthful, accurate, upfront, and less patronizing than... I will let you go. Is my instinct about this right, or am I reading too much into it? Thanks. Phone call faux pas. I call both and. (laughs) Definitely both and. You and I have had the discussion about the phrase let and as and or the word let and the phrase I'll let. And it was something that I it clicked in me one day, the idea of like, I'll let you I don't remember what it was, but it, it was it was just normal, very easy, very casual language between us. And when I said it to Dan, I was like, I really hate how that sounds. I'm not letting you do anything. You're perfectly capable of like knowing this, doing this on your own. I don't like it feels weird whenever I say it. And so I'm trying to like nix that up out of my language. And um, so I actually, I really uh, sympathize with this thought. But I, I also think most people mean it very casually. They don't mean it to think they have some kind of ownership. But details are in language. People are very aware of and sensitive, and I don't mean overly so. Just sensitive is a good word. Let's bring that back to a good place. Sensitive uh, to that. And that's something that we can all be aware of. I love the reason of I would like to get to something that is more truthful, accurate, upfront, and less patronizing as a reason for changing this. And I think it really is okay to tell someone, oh my gosh, I really have to go, or I'm so sorry, you know, I've reached my next thing, or I've, you know, a lot of people talk in the car, that sort of thing. It's really okay for you to end a conversation that way and saying, I'll let you go from an etiquette standpoint. You're right. It's not the best language a person can choose. Absolutely not. Unless maybe it's what you mean. This person has <laughs> yeah, no, indicated they need to go. You hear them rustling. but it, yeah. and, and I can even hear, I, I liked your both and idea, because yeah. I think this also could be something that could be a little cutting. Yeah. I'll let you go. Oh. Or if, 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 you in, if you feel that someone else is distracted or not paying attention to you, or if it is just a dismissive thing, this... I'll make it as if it's all about you, but yeah. really it's all about me. I I hear that. So I like a lot the idea of having these other tools in your toolbox, the clear up front. OK, I have to go now. Also great for exiting a conversation. Thanks so much for hopping on the phone with me. It was good to talk to you. You acknowledge something about yeah. the experience that you just had together, something positive. We'll talk again soon. Look forward to the next catch up. Like, we'll make that event happen that day. I mean, wrap ups. There's a million different ways to wrap it up. So if what you're saying is always the same thing and it could come across differently depending on different situations, mix it up. Try some different things. I also really liked your reflections on the idea of sensitivity being a good thing. Yeah. That it's... It's actually really nice that we're aware of each other and that we appreciate the subtleties of interactions and that small things make a big difference. You know the quote. Etiquette is a sensitive awareness to the needs of others. I mean, that's one of the Emily Post quotes. And there's nothing wrong with being sensitive to people. You can't do it every single time. You might not always be aware that you should be sensitive to something, but we're all learning here. And this question is a great illustration of how important language is, that you might be saying something that is like a no problem or it was no trouble to a thank you that you've said a thousand times and the person that you're talking to is hearing it a certain way. It's worth thinking about these things we do habitually that we never think about, even if it's just that, oh, well, wait, maybe just as easy to say one of these three things. And now all of a sudden I'm saying one of three things and I'm communicating much more effectively. So phone call faux pas. Our suggestion to you is to either in the next week or two host a dinner party or attend some kind of dinner party and gathering and bring up this wonderful show that you listened to and bring up this awesome question that got aired and say this was really it was something that resonated with me or they actually played my question and here's what it was and then you're going to have 10 or so other people around the room who are aware of how I'll will let you go or how I will let you sounds and comes across sometimes. Everywhere you go, your manners are with you and they leave their mark. 
They help you feel sure of yourself, too. And they make an impression on people, on everyone you meet. Our next question is titled Dining with Toddlers, and I'm tossing this one to my cousin who has a toddler. Hello. When I'm dining out with my toddler daughter, I'm not quite sure if I should go ahead and clean up after her, and to what extent should I be cleaning up? Does it make a difference to pick up, say, with the chicken nugget that she dropped on the floor at a fast food establishment versus a place with a full weight staff? And I'm just not quite sure how much I should pick up and how much I should leave the staff to do. And if it is an establishment where people leave tips, should I give an extra tip if she leaves a big mess? Thank you very much. This is the second week in a row we've had a voicemail question on the show. I love these questions. It is so good to hear from you. It is so good to hear your voice and to be able to include it on the show. Now, for the answer. Toddlers in restaurants are such a challenge. (laughs) I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this a little bit. I want to say help where you can. That is an important part of good etiquette. It's an important thing for you to be doing. It's also an important thing to be modeling and teaching your child. You clean up after yourself. You clean up your messes and take care of the things that you use. You want to minimize your impact on the establishment that you're in, particularly if you're there with kids or with your child. Having said all that, I also think you don't want to find yourself playing on the floor, fishing around in the carpet, trying to clean up when it's not easy or appropriate for you to be doing it. I'm thinking of things like using a mop or if the Carrying the dishes to the kitchen. I mean, like, it's really, yeah. (laughs) There are... And I I want us to call them common sense lines where it's actually easier for the person who's working there to manage it themselves. If it's going to require extra towels from the kitchen, you're not going to go back there and get those. That's the moment where you need to employ and take advantage of that extra help that's available that's part of service. And it does matter if you're at a fast food restaurant where that service isn't happening at the table or if you're at a restaurant with table service where there's a different level of service and type of assistance that's available. Either situation, I think you want to also think about health and you don't want to be going down to the floor while people are eating back up to the table with your hands. That's a a general etiquette, safety, health idea that you can pretty much stick to. And it can go Against your better helping angel, that little voice that's sitting there saying, oh, no, no, pick that up, do that. Maybe on your way out the door, you might pick up a few things if they're easy to do. But even that, you yeah. want to you wanna think about the fact that you're probably about to be buckling someone in in the car and handing them a baba or a lollipop or a bottle. And you can wash your hands on the way out, too. But it's one of those things where it is a, a part of the job to clean up the table. There aren't rules about not bringing toddlers into these establishments. And so as a weight person in numerous different capacities, including a busboy, it really is my job. And I looked at it that way. And please speak up other service people if like I've got this wrong, but it was just a part of it. And their job was to come and try and eat and and have time either out of the house or conveniently on the way home from the house or whatever the situation was. And it was my job to bring the food to them and to, to clean up afterwards. And Dan wrote a couple things in here that I really like at the very end. He said, acknowledge, ask for help and apologize and then tip. And I had written in my notes, big tip, yes. <laughs> and and by big tip, I wrote then a few extra dollars or a few extra percentage points, whatever the mess and your budget warrant together. But the reason I say it is also because it does take extra time. It is a it is a bigger effort. And just like if you had a birthday party that then you left a bunch of wrappings and things behind, you know, we try to encourage when you have that big table, it does take a lot more at times for the service to clean up afterwards. And especially if you've got a lot of young kids and things aren't really staying on plates and stuff like that. It's good to do it. But the acknowledgement of, I'm really sorry, I know we've left a really large mess. Is there anything I can do to help mitigate it? You know, or can we clear this now and I can help kind of, you know, get some of these things up and onto the plates for the next round of clearing or something like that. It can really help just to acknowledge what's going on, apologize for it, because you don't want to be making a mess for someone else. That's why you don't feel good about it. But we don't want you to feel 
so bad that you're then on your hands and knees picking up those chicken nuggets under the table at a decent tipping restaurant or something like that. And Dan's right from a safety perspective, too. But it just I, I want people to feel OK about bringing their toddlers out to dine. It's an important experience for them. It does help teach them things. It's a good thing to do. And I, I know it's not everyone's favorite thing all the time, but it is a really good thing to do. You apologize for the things that go really bad. Yes. And not because you're crippled by guilt, but just to acknowledge and, and I'm sorry, this ended up getting a little more out of hand than I had anticipated. You also thank and you show yes. appreciation. And if we could get a couple extra towels, that'd be great. I'm, we might have a spilled juice along the way here. Or if there's already a spilled juice, if you could grab us a towel, I can help get this cleaned up. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We're in this together now. Those are the kinds of things that you can say that are really going to help people feel like they're on your side and you're all you're all in it together and doing it together. And you're not just there making a mess of their establishment. And I want to come back to the idea that these are teaching moments. moments and experiences. As Lizzie said, it's important that we bring our kids and that they get a chance to grow up and learn how we manage these things. They are watching all the time, and these are really important teaching moments. Thanks so much for this question. When everybody eats properly, the meal goes better, and everybody has more fun. What's more, when we relax and enjoy ourselves, we digest our food better. And ask your doctor if that isn't important to your health. Our next question is titled, You're Engaged. What do I do? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I have a question regarding engagement gifts. I'm 25, but only one of my friends has gotten married so far, so I don't quite understand the rules for engagements. A pair of friends from college recently got engaged. We were close friends while in school, but since graduating, we have drifted apart. We haven't seen or talked to each other in many months, despite living in the same city. As soon as I saw the news of their engagement via social media, I texted the couple congratulations. My gut reaction was, I need to send them a congratulations gift. But then I thought, maybe I should wait until an engagement party is announced. At this point in our friendship, I'm not sure I'll be a part of any of the celebrations. But I wanted to make sure the couple knew I was thinking of them beyond a text message. What should I do? Thank you so much for hosting such a thoughtful and uplifting podcast. You guys have helped remind me to be more courteous and caring in my words and actions. I apologize for any typos. I just arrived back from New Zealand and am very jet-lagged. Best wishes, Emily. Emily, you're a very thoughtful friend. This is the nice thing about joy and celebration in life is that it inspires more joy and celebration. And you can feel the inspiration that Emily's got when she's hearing of her old friends who've gotten engaged. And that's a good moment. And I'm with you. I've had many times the moment where I think I want to send a gift. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Do I really, should I really send a gift? Engagement gifts are a little bit more regional and a little bit more like social circle to social circle based. Um, they aren't kind of a guarantee. And often the only people invited to engagement parties are very close friends and family who are definitely going to be invited to the wedding because engagement parties often happen so much sooner than actual weddings. The happy couple might not have decided yet, you know, what they want to do. They might end up doing just immediate family somewhere and then they've invited people to engagement party but not to the wedding and that starts to get awkward. And so for exactly that reason, I would suggest holding off on an actual gift until you either are invited to a, an engagement party or you find out that you're invited to the wedding. But what I would do is send a card. And I think that you've indicated that you all have drifted apart. And so I, I just think that unless you were the very bestest of friends and this is like the moment to reunite and spark that friendship and you know that's exactly what will happen now that you're all in communication again or something like that. That's happened. All right. Like my friend Claudia and I, when we got back together as friends, it was like you knew you had just reunited with your best friend. And it was definitely like our friendship is back on. Like, and so unless you're getting that vibe, I would say send a card. <laughs> I like that middle ground. I, I yeah. sort of weighing on the scale, the two options. Yeah. And I think that the social media acknowledgement, the and the text message was a little more personal is is definitely probably the most I don't want to say normal, it but is. it's... No, you can say that. It's the most normal. It's, it's the, the hey, thing. I see you. I'm yeah. out here. Congratulations. I, I, this has registered with me. I'm reflecting back at you that I've received your good news. I think it's good news. I wish you the best. But I also feel that 
opportunity that you're talking about, that if you've got this impulse to do a little more, that that celebration is inspiring in some way, that reflecting even that back shows a certain engagement and generosity that might be the sort of thing that allows a friendship to grow or reignite. Not necessarily in a like, this is the moment it all turns on kind of (laughs) way, but that these are the moments relationships grow and build on kind of way. And I like that idea of the card, a little handwritten note. It personalizes a little more. It it shows a little more investment in that message. But it also fits the occasion that it's, you know, a a drifted apart friendship and you're not sure if you're actually going to be invited to the wedding and that sort of stuff. Something else that you said got me thinking. Oh, yeah. Sort of a little unrelated to the question, but about the the nature of that early engagement party. Mm -hmm. I've heard about it functioning oftentimes is a way to introduce immediate family. Correct. That oftentimes the people that are going to be planning this wedding get a chance to have a first encounter by celebrating the engagement together. And that hadn't really registered with me before until I heard you describe (laughs) the event. I was thinking, yeah, it does kind of work that way often, doesn't it? Although we do do hear about bigger (laughs) engagement parties that are more community affairs and include more of the people that are likely to be attending the wedding as well. Oh, yeah. Emily, we hope that helps, and congratulations to your friends. Popularity. What is it made of? How does a person get to be popular with lots of people and have a few close friends, too? Let's watch and see what makes people like one person and not another. Our next question is titled, Tipping for Non-Taxis. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. My husband and I recently discovered your podcast and have been listening nonstop. Thank you for the advice and reminder that consideration, respect, and honesty never go out of style. I have a question about rideshare tipping etiquette. I use Uber and Lyft frequently and occasionally strike up a conversation with the person driving. In one recent conversation, the person driving worked for both Uber and Lyft, and so we were talking about the difference between the apps. I asked about differences in tipping practices comparing the two apps. I assure you this was an appropriate question and not rude. It was a long ride and the conversation was covering a lot more territory. The person, those are smiley faces all around that. The person driving shared with me that while one app saw more tipping than the other, it wasn't by any means the norm. Or if a tip was included, it was a couple bucks and not necessarily 20%. I was surprised by this. I thought that the polite and considerate thing to do was to tip 20% or more for an excellent ride. What's the best practice for tipping on ride-sharing app rides? Thanks for your guidance. All the best. Anna from New Jersey. Anna, thank you for the question. This is one of those places where Traditional etiquette, etiquette that's been around for a while, can definitely inform us when we're trying something new. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. That 20% tip when you get a ride is right there. It's it's my guideline. The 15 to 20% range is what you'll hear from some people. I think that 20% is really easy to calculate. That move the decimal point and double it calculation makes it sort of an easy jumping off point. And drifting a little up for really excellent service or if you happen to have $3 in your pocket and your doubling calculation has you at $3.15, drifting down a little bit. That that 20% is a good marker to shoot for. It's a good marker to shoot for whether you're in an Uber, whether you're in a Lyft, whether you're in a yellow cab, whether you're getting a private car from the airport. It is not a big difference whether you're going to use the tipping feature within the app or whether you're going to tip cash. The idea with the tipping feature within the app is that it gives 100% of the tip amount to the driver. So theoretically, they get the same amount. It's not like Lyft or Uber is taking a percentage of that gratuity. No one's ever going to complain about cash. So a cash tip, I'm sure, is also appreciated. It's immediate. One of the nice things about some of these rideshare tipping apps is that they also allow you to tip after. So if it occurs to you later that day that maybe you didn't include a tip or you would feel better if you included a tip, I read somewhere that the limit is about 72 hours where you still have access to a ride that you've taken. I know I've availed myself of this after uh, a couple Uber Eats deliveries while I'm on the road. I really appreciated the ability to go back and... Um, tip afterwards because you pay beforehand and then you pick up your food and you don't have any cash and then by the time you're eating the meal and you think to yourself, oh, this is so delicious, you can pick up that app and give that tip. It is also 
by no means inappropriate to have that discussion with your driver. If you ever have a question about gratuity or how you want to do something or what is standard protocol, oftentimes the best thing to do is ask the person who's providing the service what people usually do or if they're comfortable with it. And oftentimes that's the best way to find out what's going to make that person feel good. And that's the whole point of a gratuity. So we give that advice when we're talking about salons or when we're talking about using a new service. Like, well, I don't want to call Uber a new service, been around a little while, but if you're new to it or you're not sure how you feel about tipping on it or how people do tip on it, having that conversation is a great way to get comfortable, get familiar. I'd be really curious to hear about which of those two apps this particular driver felt had a usership or a ridership that tipped more frequently. I wonder a little bit myself. I'm also wondering how this is going to evolve as time goes on. These apps have been around for a while now. They are pretty ubiquitous in many places and are becoming globally some of the biggest companies on the planet. And I don't think we've heard the last of this particular question. And I will definitely be curious how norms look 15 or 20 years from now as compared to how they do right now. Dude, we're going to be like flying and materializing places by then. Anna from New Jersey, thank you so much for giving us a chance to explore tipping for non-taxis. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach out via Twitter, where we're at emilypostinst, or Facebook, where we're Awesome Etiquette or the Emily Post Institute. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette in your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And our first piece of feedback comes from Nadine, who offered feedback on episode 218 on our question about reference letters for grad schools. And this was actually some pretty important feedback. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm a regular Awesome Etiquette listener. I love having both of you keep me company and keep my blood pressure down during (laughs) long weekend commutes back to my hometown. I just listened to episode 218 in which a grad school applicant asks for advice about asking for reference letters. I've been to grad school and now work in a university in Canada, and I wanted to point out that although some aspects of academia are similar to business, it does have its own quirks that mean that not all of your business world-based advice for this applicant is applicable. While in business, it might be reasonable to ask for reference letters from multiple sources and then choose the best letter. When it comes to applying to grad school, professors are usually required to send letters directly to the university in which the applicant is applying. This means that the applicant might not have any idea what the letter or letters say about them. If an applicant asks for 10 letters from different professors when only three are required and all 10 arrive at the university, those letters might actually hurt the applicant's chances of admission rather than help if the letters are not all glowing. Applicants are commonly encouraged to ask a professor not just if they will write a reference for them, but if they can write a good reference for them, since they will not have a chance to screen the letter in advance. Thanks for all your advice and food for thought. Nadine. Nadine, thank you. I really like the pointing out that uh, would you be would you be willing to write a positive reference for me? And I think that that would be a, a totally fair question to ask given the circumstance if this is how your university sets up grad school um, recommendations and applications. Absolutely. Thank you for pointing that out to us. We also got a piece of feedback about episode number 224, where we discussed family gift exchanges and how to set expectations for them. Hi, thanks for all you do. I am writing with feedback regarding a question in episode 224. This is in reference to the question regarding gift giving after drawing names with some recipients wanting cash or donations that givers were uncomfortable with. We recently in our family have begun drawing names and then creating or making something for the person we drew. This means one must consider the hobbies or likes of the person drawn. This year, gifts ranged from a wooden wall clock with numbers and a quote written in Elvish to a batch of yummy peanut butter cookies. All involved have really enjoyed the making and receiving of the gifts since we've begun this new tradition. Just a thought. Enjoy the upcoming spring. 
we talk about consideration, respect, <laughs> and honesty and being so fundamental. This is a nice way to um, direct the, the thinking and intention to that consideration. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please, please, please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is about office etiquette for week number one. I was thinking of our dear assistant producer who has just started a new job. She does her assistant producing in her free time. And um, I was thinking about her week one on her job and some of the things that I've been told week one on jobs to do. And I thought I might toss it to my cousin who does a lot of business work to to go through what he thinks. <laughs> I really like this idea. Congratulations, Bridget. Yes, congratulations, Bridget. They are lucky to get you. You will be a huge success, and our audience will hear about you in other capacities someday soon, I'm sure. So how do you make a, a good first, first impression? impression? And not just a walk-through-the-door first impression, but a, a tone-setting first impression at a new place of employment. It's such an interesting moment because we know that first impressions do really count. They do make a big difference. And this is one of those places where you're both trying to showcase that you deserve to be here and that you were hired for a reason, as well as learn all the nuances, not just of the actual job, the technical details of it. And we've been training our interns this past week, too. So I'm I'm very keen on, you know, just how much information someone has to absorb to get caught up with your company. It's a lot. We have whole, like, it's so internalized for Dan and I. It's, you know, it's something I don't even think about it. And I'm like, wow, explaining it to someone else really reminds you of all you do and the intricacies of it, as well as the easier details, things like where to park, how to dress. All our interns asked if their attire was appropriate. And we reassured them it absolutely was. This was a very casual office environment. And there's so much also just to people's dynamics, who talks to who, who hangs out with who, who kind of goes and gets lunch with whom. There's lots of things to navigate and you're going to have to spend time learning all of it and trying to be this kind of easy person doing it. You put really well the challenge that I think sets you up for some of your best manners expectations. And that's the challenge of both that you're there to perform and you're also there to learn. So there's this dual job of putting yourself out there, doing work, generating work product, showing what you're capable of, and simultaneously absorbing, receiving, learning, taking in, and just intention setting around those two roles, being aware consciously that those are two roles that you're going to be playing is going to help you play those roles well and employ the appropriate manners that the situation demands. That one minute someone's going to be asking something of you, the next minute they're going to say, come along and be a wallflower in this meeting or now's your time to learn this piece of software, whatever that, that learning moment is. And you want to embrace the role that's going to be appropriate. We say dress to impress, but manage your image before you do walk through that door and before you get out of your car in the morning mm-hmm. and approach the front door. Put a smile on your face. Take a deep breath. Get a good night's sleep. Do the things that you need to do to take care of yourself so that you feel good in your person, in the clothes that you're wearing. Iron that shirt the night before or take it out of the dryer and put on a hanger or whatever it is that's going to make you feel dialed in, notched up, confident. And it's not about hitting a standard that someone else is setting that's arbitrary. It's about taking care of yourself so that you feel good about the role that you're playing. And that's going to allow the attention to shift from the choice you made about what you're wearing that day or – how you manage your appearance to what is this person bringing to our organization? And that, that broader question is the, the place that you want to let people be living in. A step like further in that department is pack that extra pre-ironed shirt or that wrinkleless dress into your car or your extra bag so that should you accidentally in your first day jitters spill coffee on your shirt in the first moment, you know, you don't have to live the rest of the day as a sitcom. Give yourself a little bit of extra time to get there so that you can show up on time, ready yes. to go, not yes. feeling flustered, not feeling hectic, but feeling calm and relaxed and ready to go. 
be ready to say yes a lot and be ready to listen a lot. In some ways, because you're new, you're going to be the person who gets handed a lot of work. You're going to be the person of whom a lot is asked. And little by little, you're going to find ways that you can make asks of other people. You're going to figure out where you fit into this organization. But have the word yes. Have the word, could you say that again? Could you let me know when that's due? Could you tell Are, me a would, little bit more about that? These who do are, I need to coordinate with on that? You know, it's ask questions, ask questions, ask questions, and write down answers because you're going to be getting so much information. Take notes. <laughs> who do I turn to for help if I get stuck on this? Who do I call if I'm not sure what to do next? Figuring out who your help call is is a great early task to set for yourself in any organization. I want to hit some basic business manners. Let's things. do it. Let's do it. Look people in the eye. Always important, especially especially to communicate that you're listening. Stand up straight, smile, shake people's hands when you meet them for the first time. Introduce yourself. Say, hello, my name is such and such. It's a pleasure to meet you. It sounds a little corny, cheesy, hokey when I say it here in a microphone. No, but it's, it doesn't. <laughs> it is absolutely the way to cover your bases and leave someone with a good, strong first impression Use magic words. Please, thank you, you're welcome. I'm sorry, pardon me, excuse me. They are good standards to set for yourself early on. Be timely in your communication. Honor time commitments. Show up on time for meetings. Honor deadlines on projects and assignments. If you can't make time commitments, then talk to people about why something is late, why you're not going to be there. Let people know. Use full sentences Write in complete thoughts when you're composing emails. Use salutations and closings. Use subject lines. Be careful with to and reply and BCC and CC fields. In fact, you can even ask about company policy on those kinds of things. You're getting the lay of the land. So any questions that that you can think of ahead of time that are like, well, these types of things might be done differently or, or these things I should really touch base on, you know, who are the contacts that you're supposed to be getting in touch with? And what are the ways that they prefer you to reach out to them? Treat your first week like an important first date or a meal at your grandparents' house. Set a standard for yourself that you're going to stay off your cell phone. That's Maybe even idea. try just turning it off for periods of time in the day. Maybe there'll be a time where taking a personal call in the middle of the workday isn't going to define you as a professional, but for your first week at a new job, try to show some real restraint in terms of how you use your personal device during work hours. Those are my big business tips. The one other thought is something that Lizzie mentioned at the start of this postscript, and I think it's a, a really astute observation, and that's that a lot of your success at work is determined by how you navigate the social environment. And you want to be paying attention to the way that you do your job, the work product that you're delivering, the way you interact with your colleagues and coworkers, being willing to be a student of the social dynamic in a workplace is also going to be an important part of how you integrate into that situation. And that is harder advice to give, mm -hmm. but have your antenna out. Pay attention to the relationships that are going on in the workplace that are really going to be impacting your experience there day to day and be a student of those relationships and give yourself some time to figure out how you're going to fit into that that web of social interactions because things aren't always as they appear right off the bat. It's and it's definitely true. worth learning, being a student, giving yourself an opportunity to see where you're going to be most comfortable before you make a lot of social commitments in that space. It's really true. It's very, very easy to get caught up in whatever the kind of gossip thread is or the dynamics that are pre-established. And one thing that I think is really encouraging anytime you start a new job, anytime you're the you're the new guy, um, is that you have that chance to be a neutral party and to remain a neutral party for as long as possible. 
possible. And while you certainly want to be a friendly neutral party so that you are making and building bonds with people, now is a really good time to establish that you aren't going to engage in office gossip or that, you know, um, you really do kind of stay focused to the tasks of the day and you use your breaks as breaks to you know, engage with the social side of work. And I think that that's a good, healthy thing that you can establish for yourself, even when you kind of feel like you're coming into some very pre-existing circumstances. Lindsay, what a great idea for a postscript. And Bridget, congratulations on the new job. I hope we get permission from you to talk about what it is you're doing, because it's so cool. Tell me, why are you interested in this job? I need a steady job, Mr. Wiley, with a chance to go places. I see. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we have, very apropos to our postscript, a salute from Bridget, and this is actually now about her personal life. Hi, LP and Dan. I have a special etiquette salute for the next episode. As you know, I was indoor rock climbing yesterday and... You're so cool. I know. It's like ridiculous. (laughs) And fell from a bit of a height. When I landed, I heard a snap. And long story short, I have three fractures in my ankle now. I went to work today and have been struggling to figure out the crutches. It takes a lot more energy to move around on one leg. Anyway... I was making my trek from the parking garage toward the office when a woman stopped in her car and offered to drive me to my building. She also informed me that my dress was riding up. I was wearing a backpack instead of trying to carry a purse with crutches. The backpack had pulled up my dress. Her driving me to the building made my morning a lot easier. So thank you to that very kind stranger, Bridget. Bridget, I'm so sorry to hear about this and at the same time... It is so heartwarming to hear that you got some help in a moment of need. And I'm really sitting here hoping that this first week is going well, despite this extra challenge that was thrown your way, and that the help of people like this woman really is able to get you off on the right foot. It's those moments where, like, you know, you just, you feel it coming. And you, like, you don't know that your dress is up in the back, but it is, and it's just going to be that kind of a day. And it feels like this woman stepped in and just totally stopped that from being the week one that you were walking into. And we are so glad for that. Well, thank you, Bridget, and thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider helping us out by becoming a sustaining member. You can find out all about sustaining membership by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. We also ask that you consider subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you've already done this, think about leaving us a review. It really helps with our podcast rating. We are also now on Spotify. So if you're a Spotify listener, you can find us there. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.